I'm Brian McPherson, and this is the Athena Health Podcast. We're producing this podcast to help clinicians and staff better utilize Athena One so that you can focus on your patient care. In our first episode, we look specifically at updates to clinical workflows in the fall 2022 release. Today, we're taking a step back to look more broadly at telehealth, the trends we're seeing across the healthcare industry, as well as how you and your peers are using telehealth within Athena One, particularly with Athena Telehealth. I'm joined now by Jessica Sweeney-Platt, Vice President for Research and Editorial Strategy at Athena Health, as well as Kara Emerson, a Director of Product Market Strategy for Patient Experience. Let's start at a high level with you, Jess. We all know telehealth usage climbed in 2020 with the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, but how much did it climb? Um, a lot is the short answer to that question, but um, let me be a little more specific. So when when we looked at the numbers from network data, the utilization of telehealth was essentially zero up until, as I think everyone remembers, the first or second week of March of 2020, at which point it went from almost nothing to about 17% of total visits on the network in late March, early April of 2020. So what what does it look like since 2020? Yeah, it's, 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 come down from that from that high point. So if the high point was 17% of total visits, we're seeing anywhere from maybe 7 to 10% of total visits and I think that there are a couple of things happening there. First of all, again, we're looking at this as a percentage of total visits. So when when we saw that incredibly steep spike up in March and April of 2020, some portion of that was because in-person visits almost disappeared at that time. And so telehealth was kind of the only thing, the only thing happening. So as, as in-person visits have come back over the last couple of years, you see that total percentage of visits start to shrink. And it is true that overall utilization is down somewhat, but we do see kind of a steady state between about 7 and 10% of visits. So I know we sprang into action here at Athena Health in 2020 to create a viable embedded telehealth product as quickly as possible and then to improve on it from there. Um, Kara, can you speak to what that initial launch looked like? Yeah, sure. So, you know, across the organization, there was a really a massive effort to bring, bring telehealth to market so quickly. And, you know, the initial launch, we learned a ton from our excessive process with Alpha Beta. So there was a lot we learned from clients through that process before we even launched it. And then once we launched it, you know, we really did launch it with a solid amount of features clients were happy about, um, you know, because we had listened to them for quite a while before we even launched it to, to general audience. Um, but, you know, a handful of solutions were part of that. I would probably know, you know, um, our virtual waiting room experience that was part of that initial launch. So, you know, patients could go in um, to a space where virtually where they could wait for the provider, um, you know, have some kind of content that lets them know the provider's coming and to hang tight if they have to wait for them. Um, allowing providers to share their screens with patients was a big capability at launch. Um, providing a mini view of the patient video, you know, in order to maximize the documentation screen space was, um, you know, a big a capability that we had heard a lot from um, providers in our alpha beta. And then, you know, Spanish language was included in the initial launch. Um, and, you know, and just trying to make sure that patients had the, the ease of accessing the telehealth visit, 
Um, so in terms of, you know, allowing patients to access the link via the portal, um, we were sending SMS telehealth appointment reminders right before the visit. And then providers were also able to send the video link, um, you know, from the encounter manually to the patient. So really trying to make sure that that process was as smooth as possible, you know, from the patient and also the provider experience. What sort of adoption have we seen in the time since it launched? Um, since launch, we've seen almost 5 million appointments scheduled for a theater telehealth visit. Wow, 5 million appointments. So what has the feedback been like on those appointments? Um, it's been really well received. You know, I would say, like, you know, at initial launch, um, the, we got feedback, you know, both from patients and clients. Um, so I think 93% of our patients, you know, once it, after it launched, we're either satisfied or extremely satisfied with the patient experience. And we continue taking patient feedback, you know, from the initial launch all the way to earlier this month, we just did a survey um, from patients. And they again indicated, you know, about 90% of our patients were either satisfied or extremely satisfied with their telehealth visit, um, close to 90%. We're also saying that, you know, just having the ability to use telehealth with their provider was either important or very important. So I think, you know, it's shown to be very valuable to, to patients ever since we launched. And then on the client side, you know, we've continued to ensure that we're collecting feedback from clients. They have a number of different avenues to give feedback to product. Um, one of those avenues, since the very beginning, we launched a telehealth user group. Um, to continually get feedback. And we've really collected a lot of great feedback that have influenced our roadmap and development of the telehealth solution. And clients have seemed to really enjoy that user group because they can also share with each other, you know, internal workflows that have worked for them as well. So, um, so far overall, we've gotten really positive feedback from both folks. Has that feedback led to enhancements? What sort of enhancements have, have we made since it launched? Um, so we've made a fair amount since we launched, but um, I would say, you know, if I were to highlight a few, um, we offer a chat feature. So in the waiting room, when the patient's in the virtual waiting room, staff can actually send a message to the patient, you know, giving them any updates like, hey, you know, the doctor's coming, it's on their way, or, um, you know, please make sure you have your insurance on hand or what have you. And then we also recently launched um, the ability for both uh, patient and provider to chat during the encounter. So, you know, in the, in the case of, you know, audio issues or if the patient's not in a place where they feel like it's really private, they can use that chat feature during the encounter. Um, I would say SDKs has been another um, feature that we've released. So clients who have their own patient-facing app are able to embed our telehealth solution into their application. And then um, a recent one uh, from this year that we've, we, again, we heard a lot from clients was um, releasing a timer in the call. Um, and it populates in the encounter to make it easier for providers to document how much time they're spending with patients in a telehealth visit. So those are a few that come to mind in terms of, you know, a few to highlight, but there's been many more enhancements since we've released um, when we went to GA. So I know we do have clinicians on our network who are using third-party telehealth solutions still. What are the advantages to using Athena Telehealth versus those third-party solutions? 
You know, I think the big advantage really is the full end-to-end integration with our workflows. Um, it was really a huge advantage. So providers don't have to leave Athena One at any point in time, um, pre-telehealth visit or post. So there's really, there's no swivel chair action. You know, they don't have to manage, you know, one more vendor um, for telehealth. So when I say end-to-end, really it's around remind like from the very beginning of like when, as soon as the patient schedules that appointment, so if they could self-schedule with our self-scheduling solution, that telehealth visit. And as soon as that visit is scheduled, they'll get appointment reminders from us with a telehealth link. And then all the way to the end post encounter, we have automated billing support in generation. So the telehealth visit types trigger tailored downstream coding and billing workflows. Um, and then we also have you know, our payment reminders that are patient facing to encourage them and um, bring awareness of their bill. So really that full end to end integration, I think is a huge advantage um, that we have. And then providers can also conduct a telehealth visit with our Athena One mobile app um, as well, which just gives, you know, providers more flexibility in how and where they have their telehealth um, appointments. So both with Athena Telehealth and with third parties, just across our network, sort of what are we seeing in terms of telehealth usage these days now that we're in this new normal, like you mentioned earlier, kind of settling into this this normal? Are we seeing any variability provider by provider within organizations, or do we see sort of most practices, either everybody uses it or nobody uses it? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And, and you made an important specification there that I want to make sure folks know about. So when we do this, this research, we do this research with de-identified data sets taken from taken from Athena One, but we are looking at all telehealth utilization. So Kara's been talking about Athena telehealth specifically, but but our our research data incorporates um, anyone who's using um, telehealth, whether it's Athena telehealth or, or or one of those third party solutions. And we actually do see significant variability, even even within organizations. So, for example, one of the really interesting findings that came out of our most recent analysis was the really striking difference by by gender. And so if you look at both the gender of the clinician and the gender of the patient, you find that men are significantly less likely to use telehealth than women. So if you are a male clinician, you are significantly less likely to use it than a female clinician. If you are a male patient, you are also significantly less likely to use telehealth than a female patient would be. Um, the data don't tell us why that's the case, but it's a really striking it's a really striking difference. And then, of course, we do we do see um, variations according to different specialties. the The primary care and behavioral health specialties tend to be much higher utilizers of of telehealth. Not surprisingly, the procedural specialties tend to be much lower utilizers, but it's not zero. I've actually had some great conversations with some of our orthopedics customers, for example, who are using telehealth for virtual urgent care services to help their patients figure out if this injury that they sustained in the off hours is actually serious enough to have them go to the emergency room. If it's not that serious, they can save themselves a ton of hassle, a ton of time. So, you know, we do see difference, we do see significant differences by specialty, but it's interesting um, those niche use cases, even in some of the lower utilizing specialties. So that's really interesting about the different kinds of um, the specialties, the way the specialties are using it. 
Um, what types of patients? I know there's a just vast spectrums of types of patients. You can categorize them any way you want to in your research. What types of patients are benefiting most from telehealth? Yeah, there are some interesting patterns that emerged uh, that emerged from from the data. Um, we also, again, not surprisingly, found that new diagnosis of a mental health condition were much more likely to occur via telehealth than via an in-person visit. So it does seem like for specific types of care, telehealth is bearing out its early promise as a sort of purpose-built tool that can help to expand access and maybe even close some access gaps for patients with chronic conditions and patients with mental health diagnoses as well. Uh, there were also some interesting findings around racial and ethnic categories. Um, we were really interested, given all of the conversation out there in the industry, about the impact of telehealth on addressing these health access inequities. And what we found doesn't lend itself nicely to a soundbite, but I'm going to try and explain it anyway. So the conventional wisdom says that Black and Hispanic patients, uh, non-white patients, but we were only able to analyze Black and Hispanic patients, the conventional wisdom says that they use telehealth at a lower rate than white patients do. We didn't find that, actually. We found that they were slightly more likely to use telehealth as a care delivery modality, but... The difference was that white patients were significantly more likely to use telehealth in the context of a continuous relationship with a single provider, whereas black patients and Hispanic patients were more likely to use telehealth with a lack of relationship with a single provider. They were more likely to see a different provider each time they used telehealth. So it does seem like it's not necessarily true that black and Hispanic patients have lower access overall but it does seem like the inequity is in terms of access to a continuous relationship with a care provider. So another one, like another conventional wisdom thing that I would, I would say in terms of age, you would stereotypically say that elderly patients would be more technology averse. Um, you would expect more millennials to be happy to hop on their phones and talk to their doctor, FaceTime their doctor, or use Athena Telehealth with their doctor. Sort of what are we, what are we seeing there in terms of the breakdowns by age and telehealth use? Yeah, I mean some of the, some of the stereotypes if you just look at the at the you know the highest level of the data, you would think that some of those stereotypes hold true. We do overall see lower levels of utilization as a patient's age increases. What's really interesting and this is something that came up um, that came out in the data really early in the pandemic is that the a patient's likelihood of using telehealth at all, one of the primary drivers of that, this is reduced a little bit over time, but it's still, it's still a factor. One of the primary predictors of whether any given patient, regardless of age, is going to use telehealth is whether or not their practice is actively encouraging it. And again, that sounds completely obvious on the face of it, but what we took from that finding was that in those practices where there has been a commitment made and there's a real belief in the value of telehealth in terms of their ability to deliver holistic, high-quality care to their patients, they're talking to their patients and saying, yes, telehealth is a great way to access the practice, and here's how you do it, and we're going to help you set up the systems. We're going to provide a digital navigator to help you in some of those early visits, get over some of those technical humps. Those patients in those practices that are high utilizers of telehealth um, in, in some cases, they're older patients, but they're using telehealth at a much higher rate than even much younger patients at a lower utilizing practice. 
So the decisions that are being made at the practice have a big impact on whether their patients will be high or low utilizers of this type of service. So with that in mind, Kara, um, wanted to go back to you, whether, especially if they're using Athena Telehealth um, for clinicians on Athena One, like what is the best way? What are some tips that we have for making sure they're engaging patients and, and encouraging patients to use Athena Telehealth? Yeah, well, I think as, you know, as Jess was just mentioning, you know, clients who have shown or demonstrated real commitment have seen, you know, elderly or other patients more highly adopting telehealth visits. And so along the similar lines, I think, you know, in order to really help better engage patients with Athena Telehealth, it's really one is just ensuring patients have awareness of telehealth. Um, you know, making sure that, you know, you're promoting it, you're building awareness from your, you know, your front desk to the encounter, to post the encounter. There's all sorts of opportunity within the office visit to promote and bring awareness to the patients that, you know, telehealth is an option for them in the future. Um, and then also, you know, we do have group call campaign builder, which, what we call, which is essentially a tool that we offer in communicator which enables clients to build custom campaigns to um, you know, their populations. And so that's another tool that they could use to build awareness and to promote telehealth to, to patients. Um, and then I would also say, you know, using self-scheduling and web scheduling and ensuring that the telehealth visit is enabled for self-scheduling is another really great way to um, promote it amongst patients. And again, like helping build that awareness of telehealth as an option for patients to use. Um, and then I, I did mention, you know, in the beginning that, that you know, end-to-end -end integration, that full experience. And, you know, when we think of the front-end experience of just ensuring the patient, you know, gets to that, you know, logs in and connects with a telehealth visit, um, is ensuring that, you know, you have some of the appointment reminder messages that are fully configured and enabled, right? Ensuring that you look at whatever settings you have to make sure that those, those appointment reminders are going out to patients um, to make sure that, you know, they have the link, you know, their, their phone's compatible, et cetera, um, to be able to have a successful telehealth visit. So those are a few um, that come to mind to help better engage with them. And because we're finding that so many practice decisions rather than patient decisions are really driving engagement with telehealth. Um, you know, if there are any clinicians, clinicians who sort of, you know, haven't dove in, dive in, um, dive in, in to telehealth use <laughs> um, to this point, but sort of maybe wondering, like you mentioned some of the features and functionality we've already had, but sort of what are we seeing people really enjoying with Athena, Athena Telehealth um, that we think that they'll really enjoy if they if they start using it more. Yeah, I mean, I think the providers were really, are really enjoying the full suite of capabilities, honestly, but I think, you know, a few that I think they are particularly enjoying, um, as I mentioned, you know, I can, can't really emphasize enough that end-to-end -end integration, but also some of our most recent features that I was mentioning earlier about like the, the chat <clears throat> functionality within the waiting room and during the exam, um, the easy access for patients to get into that visit. So I was mentioning like they go to the portal, they get appointment reminders, the staff can manually push the, the, the link. And um, we have that compatibility check with their network and their phone or their desktop, whatever they're using to help troubleshoot any issues up front. I think 
clients really appreciate that, that they don't have to take any time away from their encounter for troubleshooting for any kind of technology challenges that the patient's having. And then, you know, I'd say the timing feature, I was mentioning that as one of our um, recent releases, I think that is highly utilized um, across our clients as well. So with the year drawing to a close, I mean, things are changing rapidly throughout healthcare, certainly with telehealth. It's very different. It was very different in 2020 than it was in 2019. It's different now than it was in 2020. As we start to move into 2023, um, I sort of want to talk about what's what we can anticipate coming next. I guess, Jess, first with you, sort of broadly with the industry, with telehealth usage, what do you see in terms of the big things that people who are using telehealth a lot should keep in mind um, in the next year or so? Yeah, the, the, the big one that I'm hearing about from a lot of organizations is and it's a big open question right now, is what happens at the end of the public health emergency? A lot of the regulations around payment parity are tied to that public health emergency. And just in talking to to, to a few customers and and um, sort of paying attention to the to, to the to the industry conversation, it does feel like we're there are some there could be some big changes in the way that organizations decide to use or not use telehealth based upon what happens with those uh, with those payment with those payment regulations. I think the other thing we're keeping an eye on now is just the growing complexity of the regulations as certain elements of the federal program expire and state level regulations are starting to emerge with a little bit of a patchwork of different regulatory approaches across the country, which can lead to some complexity, can lead to some challenges in terms of where can you see patients across state lines and where can you not see patients across state lines. So that's a big area of uncertainty as well. So I think that you know, from the Athena Health perspective, one of the, the there there are a few um, kind of policy preferences that we're that we're working with um, with folks on on Capitol Hill to move forward. You know, we're working to um, ensure that there is an appropriate reimbursement model, a permanent reimbursement model moving forward. So that's that's a that's a big one. You know, we're we're interested in working with uh, both state and federal legislatures to remove geographic and originating site restrictions, which was one of the big rate limiters um, pre-pandemic in terms of in terms of telehealth utilization. Those were relaxed, and we would you know recommend um, to the extent that anyone's listening uh, that uh, that that those that those not be 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 reinstated. And then we want to 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 continue to. Um, push for you know and and preserve the expanded scope of services that are that are covered by by telehealth this 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 pandemic was extraordinarily traumatic and and tragic on so many fronts there were a very few number of bright spots that emerged from it and i guess our hope as a company is that we can preserve some of those some of those bright spots um, particularly around um, recognizing the, the 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 changing way that care is and can be safely and um, delightfully delivered to, to to patients, and as as clinicians keep delivering that care, I know many many of them are interested in what's coming next for Athena Telehealth itself. Carol, what what do the teams have that are working on Athena Health have planned for the next year or so? Um, well, one of the releases that we're really excited about. Uh, from our patient experience team is launching our new native patient app called um, Athena Patient. That's going to be released next spring. And so um, with that, we're going to have our telehealth solution integrated 
with our new native patient app that will be released next spring. And then in addition to that, we're, you know, we're in the process right now of determining upcoming features for telehealth, but I will say that a couple of our features that are on our radar and that we're considering based off of feedback, again, that we're collecting from clients, um, one of them is um, call recording. So enabling providers to record a virtual visit for future reference and then chat attachments. So supporting patients sending a document to a provider or a provider sending a file to the patient during a telehealth visit. So those are a couple of capabilities that we've heard from clients um, that we are, we're considering for, for the roadmap for next year, but not committed, just saying. <laughs> but it is, we are, we're considering it, we're trying to figure out when we're gonna be able to work that in. And the more feedback we get on it, I'm sure the better to help us prioritize, right? Of course, yeah. So that's great. That's all really exciting to hear about. Um, we look forward to seeing how all of this plays out in 2023. Jess and Kara, thank you both for joining us today. Great, appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. And thanks to all of you for joining us for the Athena Health Podcast. Let's wrap up with a few reminders of some other things you need to know as the year draws to a close. The fall 2022 release took place just before Thanksgiving. If you still have any questions about the new features you're seeing in Athena One, be sure to check out the release centers on the Success Community. If you want to know what's coming next in Athena One, be sure to check out the Fall 2022 Product Roadmap webinar on December 8th or on demand anytime after that. You can register for that webinar via the events page on the Success Community. In addition, if you're responsible for quality submission, you should check out the on-demand recording of the Quality Program Submission webinar that aired on November 30th, also on the events page on the Success Community. Just navigate to the Success Community and then click the Collaboration dropdown to find events. And also in December, we've rolled out an updated and enhanced foundational training plan for providers on Athena One. The new courses offer interactive opportunities to practice hands-on with a coach, and they're up to date with the latest version of Athena One. You can learn more and sign up for training by visiting the Athena Health Learning Portal from either the support dropdown in Athena One or from the training page in the Success Community. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to tell your colleagues to check us out as well. The podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And let us know what you think by email at podcast at athenahealth.com. We're working to create a thriving ecosystem that delivers accessible, high quality, and sustainable healthcare for all. And we'll talk to you again soon.